Hello and welcome to Under the Pink Triangle. We would like to thank the Silix Nation for welcoming us to their traditional lands. This podcast in no way represents every voice in the LGBTQ2S plus community, and we endeavor to grow in the knowledge to help us respect as many voices as we can. This podcast is also not for everyone. If you are sensitive to topics of race, sexuality, strong language, or strong attitudes, this podcast is not for you. It is intended for audiences over the age of 15 and not for consumption at work. Opinions expressed are of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the show or its creators. However, respecting differing opinions does not include hate speech of any kind. In March of 2020, all Canadian provinces and territories took the extraordinary measures of declaring a state of emergency in response to the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. With the rest of the country, LGBTQ2 spirited plus people were isolated and locked away in their homes in an effort to flatten the curve and protect the Canadian healthcare system from becoming overwhelmed. The LGBTQ2S plus communities were informed by their respective governments across the provinces and territories that pride celebrations and marches were cancelled, and because of social distancing, all public gatherings of six or more people were banned. The impact of further isolation of an already fragile and segregated group of society has yet to be determined and the loss of our most basic ability to march and celebrate who we are will undoubtedly affect our community's mental health as a whole for weeks, months, and years to come. However, this is the reality of a post-COVID-19 world while living under the pink triangle. Hello, my name is Lee. I'm a cisgendered gay male of Caucasian descent. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I am an actor, yoga instructor, and IT consultant. Hi, my name is Kyler, and I go by he, him, and his, and I'm a trans male of Caucasian descent. I'm also a recreation aide at a senior's care home and a landscape gardener. Hi, I'm Peg. Um, I'm a cisgendered female. I go by she, her. I'm an actor, singer, writer. Hi, my name is Ryan. My pronouns are he, his, him. Identify as a gay male, and I'm a registered clinical counselor. I'm also a married dad of two sons. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this very first episode of Under the Pink Triangle in a remote location. We're all isolating, obviously, because of of COVID being what it is. So I think the obvious question that we have to start asking is how are we all actually doing mentally? Like, how is everybody doing in their respective isolation or chosen isolation, as the case may be? Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the day, really. For me. What do you mean by the day? Well, I mean, some days I'm good, and some days uh, it's like, I'm glad I don't have a bottle of pills and a glass of wine, you know? Just oh. saying. Well, dark. It's true, though. You know, and I'm sure <laughs> no, it is true. I know. to I know. a lot of people, they'll say the same thing. You know, the one thing that we are all missing is the human interaction, hugs, is the one thing that everybody is saying that they're missing. Mm. Right. Nobody's going to want to hug me right now. Well. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> I like that they're saying that. Get a shower, <laughs> babe. <laughs> What's that, Kyler? I like that they're saying they're missing hugs, but I'd also like to say that I think it's the your climate, your own personal climate before COVID occurred makes a big difference on how that all happened and how we're coming through out of it. I agree. I think mm. I think people who were already predisposed to be isolated or and some of their jobs have already taught us, like myself, how to be isolated. I've I've taken this more to a duck like a duck to water. That's an interesting point. I've been working with a number of clients where if they have pre-existing anxiety and depression, this uncertain time with confusion and all the changes that are happening in our lives, it's exacerbating that and making it very challenging. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when our demands are greater than our resources, you know, the in our ability to cope, it can be very challenging. Well, I, I, it's challenging for single people. But I can imagine being in a marriage, that makes it a completely different challenge 
that I don't have to deal with because I don't have any other personalities to deal with, right? Yes. Well, it, it, it's true because when you're by yourself, you've got yourself to manage, which can be a big enough job. But then when you're in a marriage or relationship with somebody else, you've got their energy, your own energy, and then the interaction between the two. And so it can definitely uh, be challenging at times, that's for sure. And then in each other's spaces so much, when you're used to having that break of going to work or being out of the house, at least. And then add kids to that. Yeah. And then add kids to that, yeah. Who are now missing their friends, not at school, out of routine right. and structure. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I couldn't no. imagine being a parent. Bored. And doing homeschool. <laughs> Bored. I think that's probably one of the biggest things with the children is that, yeah, they're, they don't understand why they have to miss their friends and everything. Like, you can tell them yeah. whatever. I mean, there's some adults that don't understand that, right? You know, you can tell them why. Yeah. And it, I don't know. There are definitely some adults that do not understand. Yeah why we have to be isolated it's like a, anything it's like racism if it's if it hasn't touched them if covid hasn't touched them or someone that they know it doesn't exist right for in their world kyler you were gonna say i work with seen in a senior's home and daily often every hour we explain why we're wearing masks and full ppe gear and they don't understand why family's not coming to see them and it's not only that they can't get out but there's times where they actually now have to be isolated depending, depending on hospital care. And that is almost a, a death sentence for someone who can't get out. And the freedoms that we actually are enjoying, even when we are quarantining, I think are often being forgotten about. And the, the things that we could be celebrating, there's a lot of people that have it much worse than we do. Oh, there is. And I think we've got really lucky because we flattened the curve so quickly, very few people are actually affected. Mm -hmm. So then that means it becomes less of a serious problem, I'm finding. And people are not taking it as seriously as as, as we should. No. I mean, the, the virus is exactly the same as it was in March. Yes, That hasn't changed. Um, our hospitals can just take more patients right now. And that, to me, is making it more difficult for people to want to self-isolate. We're also, I don't know, I seem to be getting mixed messages because I saw today that there's 30 more cases in I don't even know, probably Vancouver, not necessarily here. And yet yesterday it was like, oh, we don't have any more, we're good, blah, blah, blah. And every day it's it's a different thing, you know. We haven't had any COVID, new COVID cases for a week. And then the next day it's like, we've had 30 cases and blah, blah, blah. So I don't even know what's true. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing. Are they reporting them all properly? Are they underreporting? Well, and nobody's, the not everybody's getting tested either, right? That's the other problem. Is nope. that you can't really have accurate information if people are not getting tested. Well, that's right. Uh, but there's no real serology tests right now that are being offered to the general populace. So none of us really know what where we're at. Like none of us really know if we've already had it or if we've yeah. gone through it or if we don't have it or whatever. So I don't know how people can say that COVID is a non-starter. Like I don't know how people can go to the parks where I live they've now allowed drinking on beaches. And mm. I think that's a problem. I think that's a congregational problem. People can't keep to themselves when they're imbibing, right? You know, no. everybody gets loose and happy and hugs will happen, right? So, yeah. no. COVID, oh, yeah. I think a lot of things will be happening. Hug, <laughs> hugs being just the start of it. <laughs> right. You know, well, well it depends on you think of the whole topic of COVID dating. You know, um, I've been very fortunate to just start a relationship when COVID started, but for those who have just or would like to date or are in a bad relationship, have a whole situ different situation. 
I've got heaven. But some people. Oh yeah, yeah. But so what you're saying is because you've recently you before post COVID you were post COVID just starting a new relationship and you have been evolving that relationship during COVID. You guys have had a set set up a, a routine. Correct. A COVID dating routine. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's very. You got very lucky because I'm telling you, Grinders taking a hit. <laughs> like uh grinder is and, and the dating apps because of covid are obviously going to take a hit how how are we going to start seeing each other if you know and if we're hooking up then we're no longer in isolation so if we're no longer in isolation then what are we doing well and how can you trust either that somebody you know they just want to get laid they're going to tell you whatever right they do that with everything else why would they not with covid right it's like yes i've been in well isolation. it's strange it's strange because it's the only trust issue that gays have right now. Mm-hmm. Like we've never had trust issues before, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, it's just one more trust issue is yeah. like, Oh, are, have you been isolating? You know, can we decide to put our bubble together as on a dating platform? Like what's, what's my risk level. Right. So I don't even know how anybody dates like Peg, aren't you kind of dating somebody like, well, I don't uh, know. Virtual dating? I obviously, I honestly don't know if I'm actually dating this person or if it's just been, you know, we're friends, whatever. But I thought he was isolating. And then while we were on our, you know, drive around, you know, he was telling me all of these places that he goes, he goes out for dinner in a couple different places every week and goes to his friend's house and you know all of these things and i'm just like holy fuck holy fuck holy fuck right <laughs> yeah right no <laughs> and, i you know i've I, got him I, in my it. car and we're driving around and i'm thinking he hasn't been isolating you know where's my mask right. <laughs> like he's he's the covid monkey on the plane for christ's sake <laughs> right yeah that's all I can think of is that that monkey from outbreak. I'm like, every yeah. time I talk to somebody that starts or I look on some social media site and they're all like, oh, we're going to the park or we're going to drink oh. wine or we're going to do this. Yeah. And I keep thinking, you fucking monkeys. Yeah. You're going to spread this shit like crazy. Well, like I, that's- I have a little loop that I walk, um, you know, and I try to walk when there's nobody else around. Right. And um, I've stopped going up the mountain because there's been bear sightings. So I'm not doing that anymore. So I walk on this road by my place. And of course, you know, you're walking by people's houses. Like real bear sightings or bear sightings? No, (laughs) no, real bear with a sow with cubs. And yeah, it's scary (laughs) um, for the people. And but you see these people and they're they're standing right next to each other. They can rub elbows. There's no six foot, you know, not that six feet is, you know, the minimum. It's the minimum you should have. That's the minimum. Yeah. And and I would come home and I would be so angry, you know, because people just weren't you know, paying attention and. Well, that's another thing is that how we manage anger. Cause uh, I have, I I've been getting angry at social media. I've had to pull oh, myself yeah. actually off of social media yeah. because it was really damaging my, my mental health during this COVID crisis, because there are multiple posts of things happening. There's uh, of people doing all kinds of shit yeah. and it's people I love that are putting other people I love yes. in jeopardy. And that it makes me crazy. But then of course I come across as, that crazy isolationist, that that crazy COVID guy that, you know, believes in all the conspiracy theories and all that, like you get painted with all these brushes, right. when all you really want is your family to be safe. To be safe, yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm. and I can't, like, Kyler, you have to work out of the house, correct? I sure do. Yeah. 
So, and you're working helping people connect with their families. Well, yeah. So um, it's quite strict policy, of course, to go in because no one's allowed into the senior care home. So, of course, I have my temperature taken. There's a questionnaire. We've got uh, have to change into different clothing, of course, scrubs or something that's totally not been from outside. Um, discon- decontaminate everything all the time. We have small groups going on versus large ones. There's many people that actually don't seem to get out of the rooms because we're not really allowed to have large groups anymore. And it's hard to get around to so many people. Um, it's just quite, it's quite different. And they know there's stuff kind of going on because they can see the people through the window and we're all wearing masks and they wonder what is happening. And it's, it's such a different novel time in our world, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to deal with someone who might have dementia or whatever, you know, Alzheimer's, again, you, you said before that you have to explain to them all the time. Yes. That's going to be really a hard day. And it's really hard to befriend someone that, with dementia when you're wearing a mask because all yes. your facial cueing is gone or they can't hear through the mask. Or if I'm, you know, running up the stairs, it blocks my air and fogs up my glasses. So it'd be a little discomforting. And we'll be all glad when it's over. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah, I think that's that's the bottom line. Guess what? It, it's going to be. My hope is that, like, with with all the seniors that I work with, they have to sit still, and that's the hardest piece. The world is still kind of staying busy, even busy at home, but when you have to sit in your own stillness, that is where people, I think, are getting that choice to really look a little deeper inside and decide how are they going to play out the rest of life. Like, am I going to be responsible and respond properly to these COVID? Uh, social distancing things, right? Whether I'm in the park or the beach, be more aware of my presence, my spatial awareness, or am I going to keep just looking at my cell phone when I'm walking down the road like a zombie? So I think this is a real good chance to break the zombie apocalypse of the screens and, and get people to focus on what's happening. But but then that that becomes a problem too because when you start to engage people, they want to get close to you. And so... It's just practice. If if yourself, it is practice. But the thing is, is that for somebody like me who feels uh, immunocompromised and uh, that my life is in danger whenever I get near somebody who is who is breaking isolation, they're I feel like they're putting my life in danger. I feel like they're doing it, and they're doing it on purpose because people do not have the right to be in my bubble without me allowing them in there. And so people who are engaging, if I look somebody in the eye, it's like an invitation for them to come talk to me. Yeah. Don't fucking come near me. Right. <laughs> you know, we are, we are evolved beings that can use our words. And I would like to think of a society that's missing hugs, that perhaps we could be a little more heart focused and not so fear driven with all the stuff being spun with the facts. What's the news that people are, are digesting so much to make you so afraid of people around you and creating that kind of vibration in your own reality, which then draws. So what are the facts around COVID then that we have to talk about maybe? You betcha. Like what are the actual facts? Because we're, yeah, like let's talk facts and, and not perceived reality. Which right, let's talk about facts. Yes. Well, I was watching uh, Babe. She's, um, um, she has a podcast or whatever on Facebook. And uh, she was saying that, Somebody had asked a question about whether people get or how many, what's the percentage of people who are getting reinfected. And she said what they're actually finding is that people just aren't getting over it. They'll, they'll have it for three, four months 
as a mild thing. And, you know, they'll just keep, you know, not getting better. And so the next time they get tested, they still have it. And so they, they're thinking that people are getting reinfected when, in fact, they just haven't gotten over but it. But that that's unscientifically based uh, anecdotal evidence that um, people are seeing. Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that that, like, what is what do we actually know from our scientists? Like, what are they actually saying? The scientists are actually, like, what, what, what are the facts about COVID that we know? One of the facts we know about COVID is that it can stay contagious for 14 days before its first symptoms can appear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that's a that's that's a clinical fact. Yes. So that means one person traveling from Quebec who is infected to come here to pick fruit is 14 days contagious before they show one symptom. And they're supposed to be um, that's a fact. isolating for 14 days, though. Not pro- cross provincially. Well, I thought they cross the border. The Mexicans do have to. The Mexicans are being put up, and the Mexicans that come up to pick fruit here. Um, have to be 14 days quarantined. That's law, not cross provincially, because you can cross provincial lines without quarantining. I didn't know. Ryan, that. you do that. You're supposed That's to do right. that. But Ryan, Ryan, you travel back and forth to, to Alberta. <laughs> uh, you're not cross provincially. It's I, not required. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and then who's regulating it and, and cross provincially? Like there's the best practice and recommendations, but whether people are actually following that or not. It's so interesting because it's come up all over, you know, just in our conversation, even, you know, with Kyler talking about in the, the seniors, you know, in this, the work with seniors. It's so interesting because um, I've been doing some work with healthcare professionals in a variety of capacities. And one of the things that comes up is trust. You know, they're worried about themselves and their health. They're worried about their family. Are people practicing the distancing? Are they isolating for 14 days? And if there's no way of regulating or monitoring that, like coming from out of country, then you're trusting people, you know, and then, yeah, that incubation period can be 14 days after 14 days. So it's, that's the scary thing. And then when you're at high risk, if you're immunocompromised, then, you know, there's a real risk and concern, of course, for your, your health and well-being. And I think that above all is what makes COVID dangerous, is what makes everybody so, like, it makes the medical community so concerned about this. I think another fact about COVID is that even after you show symptoms, you're still contagious eight days after your first symptom is shown. So that's a long contagious period. That is, you're from 14 to onset to eight after, that's a long time for people to be sick. That's a long time for somebody to be contagious. So, uh, and then COVID itself, once you have COVID, some people have almost no symptoms as they're going through it. Some people have detrimental symptoms to the point where they're they can't breathe they they end up permanently with either holes in their lungs or limbs amputated that broadway actor is going under undergoing stem cell uh, replacement therapy right now to save his life but he was affected in a way that nobody could foresee so changes your circulation and, and a lot of people it does a lot of things that we don't even understand. Yeah. We have no medical practice. We have no we have no clinical yeah. trials as to what it's done. No, there's no We're empirical not, evidence, yeah. Like there's no empirical evidence, that's right, at all. So that in itself also makes it a little scary. Yeah. Well, what about the facts we know about how to prevent it? Preventable yeah, facts. I was just going to say, 
Yeah, and that's changed in the beginning. They And there's good rationale for both. In the beginning, they were telling us not to wear a mask, and then it changed to wearing a mask, and the rationale for each was was very valid. And But I know people who don't get all the information and aren't as aware, let's say, you know, they, they start, to, that's where some of the doubt comes from. And then, well, heck with it. You know, I was told not to wear a mask. Now I'm wearing a mask. I don't know. So they kind of stop taking the precautions as seriously if they're not actually taking the time to understand. Well, and, and a lot of people don't understand how science works. You know, science, you know, hypothesis yes. change once they that. get the new information. Everything has changed, yeah. you know, all the time we've ever had any kind of scientific studies. You know, as soon as the new information comes, they change what, you know. Uh, so honestly, with all the misinformation, there is, we have to glean the real information. Does a mask help you? No. A mask helps, helps people around you. Yes. It doesn't help you. A mask is never going to help you unless you're in full body gear. Is coughing into your sleeve or coughing into clothing helping you well no it's helping everybody around you so you're not spreading are gloves helping you or are they helping everyone else well gloves are only helping you they're not helping anyone else because it's spreading that all over the place if you're not throwing them away after everything that you touch exactly so the gloves are worse off are worse well Uh, so so now now we know that we know these things here's my big bitch about having the hairstylists go back you cannot cut hair with gloves on. I've done it, and your gloves get shredded every time. Right. So you are around a person 20 minutes minimum for a haircut, unless, you know, you're just getting your head shaved, and then it's like maybe 15. All right, closer than six feet, right? Oh, but that's my that was my other point, is that you're around somebody for this extended period of time, and it doesn't matter how much PPE you have unless you've got an outside air source that you're breathing like an astronaut. You're going right. to be breathing that person's air at some point, whether you're both wearing masks or not. And those droplets have a suspended uh, ratio, a, a quite a high suspended ratio. Absolutely. So, so yeah, if, you're, if your salon doesn't have a good exhaust system, you know. But not just salons. What about restaurants? Well, Even if your tables are six sure. feet apart... Uh, and and you have you're with your family like Ryan. There's four people in your family. That's a lot of droplets. Mm-hmm. And I've seen your boys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fucking droplets with every single one of those kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, all kids yeah, exactly. are they're mucus farms. You know, <laughs> so and so what is the deal with the schooling? Are they going back in June or they are back? Yeah, they are back. Yep, this is my little guy's second week back at school. It is optional and voluntary. Okay, and at this point, we decided to put him back. In school, two day, just two days a week. They've got the class sizes limited, and he keeps everything in his backpack at his desk. The kids aren't allowed to touch each other, go to each other's desks. There's a lot of, what's the word, uh, regulations in place. My favorite one, though, is, is only one boy in the boys' washroom at a time, of course, because he's a boy, and, but each classroom has this huge traffic pylon, and so when he goes to the bathroom, he has to watch, and if there's a pylon in front of the bathroom, it means there's another boy in there, so he has to stand back and wait, and then he puts his pylon from his classroom in front of the washroom if he goes, and then he takes it back when he's done. That's a good idea. So it's, it's very interesting. Well, it's a great idea. Yeah, I, was, I thought it was brilliant. That's a really good idea, and, but it, it, it's a teaching moment. Like it's, it's a great teaching moment for teaching these kids how important social distancing actually is. 
How does recess work? Oh, good question. This is testing my memory. I, I know that they hang out outside on towels away from each other, like for lunches and different things. But I don't even know if they actually go out for recess. It's definitely because there's very few kids in the school. It's very, everything is monitored. Like they're not allowed to touch each other, of course, or be close to each other. So I feel like they maybe don't do recess. And if they do, it's just they're like, yeah, I don't remember for sure. That's a good question. And how are the teachers isolating themselves there while they're teaching these kids? Like, and with each other, do you know? Like, have you? Not fully. I know that they're, she's doing Zooms one day a week and then the class is split. And because it's volunteer, like essential workers, children are, are there full time so that they can be at work and, and their kids are in school. And then it's voluntary. So I know there's six kids in his class, for example, when he's there, that's it. Out of 20, almost 30 kids, there's six. When wow. He's there. So for one teacher with six kids, you know, it's it's easy for her to kind of keep a close eye on them. Mm -hmm. Do we feel that or do does anybody else feel that that's an educational advantage to me? I think that COVID is actually, that's a, a silver lining Maybe because class sizes were getting that. so friggin' big. Oh, yeah. That's you a know? good point. But what yeah. about the kids like, who are at home? You know, are they are, are they getting like long distance? Well, we need somebody to pump gas. Too funny, Lee. <laughs> so the teachers actually give lots, like especially in his, his class at least. His teacher has all kinds of assignments and work at home and novel studies. And she has the Zoom meetings. And there's have... a lot for the kids to do. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's just the choice about whether they go into the school right. and get more support and get to be with some friends. And yeah, at this it's point for us, it was a bit of a break <laughs> and the social. Yeah. So without a vaccine in September, are we seeing the kids going to go back more full, like more of the kids coming back, do you think? I think the talk has been around. No, not full time. It'll be more of similar to what we're seeing now, I think. Um, you know, I think there a lot of those decisions there, which is smart. You know, the interesting thing about BC, because that's where we live, is I find that they're making a lot of decisions closer to it. And as they go along, which I think for me seems more responsible and more responsive than kind of saying, you know, projecting. Out. And as people, we yeah. want to know what's happening. Where are we going? When can I see my friends? When can I go out for dinner? Go to the chiropractor. But at the end of the day, it's responsible to say, we don't know. We need to take it like day by day, week by week. And so, but yeah, it, the thought is it's going to be a lot of the same. Some Zoom meetings, maybe part-time in school. The buses are running though, so a little guy can take the bus to school, but he's been like one of two kids on the bus. So I just wanted to clear up the fact that there's six kids in a class, two days a week. So can can they do like the teacher works six days a week? And so they, there can be like 18 kids in school for that teacher for the entire six days where they do every two days or like uh, they kind of spell off each one so that there's six kids, six different kids, six different kids than the original six kids. Like would that, I mean, that's 18 kids. That's still not the 30 that they were yeah. seeing in a classroom, you know, or whatever, but no, but it might, it might be a more effective way, but I think so. Yeah. Are they talking about doing uh, a remote schooling where those six kids are actually in the, the classroom, but the rest of the kids have to attend in a zoom meeting? Oh, is that, is that how it's working? At that same thing. Well, I don't know if that's how it's working, but I've heard that that is an option. I'm not sure I'm not in the school district, so I have no idea. Yeah. But well, if the teacher's yeah. going to teach a lesson, it can be on camera on right. Zoom, six people in the lesson, and then the rest of them all online. And then those kids rotate out. Those six and that live is what kids she's... rotate out. Although there'll have to be yeah. like and so... heck a disinfection, you know, kind of thing going on in between rotations, right? Well, then we start talking about janitorial staff. Uh, right. And we start talking about who's actually managing the schools and where that money is going to come from and how that's going to work. Right. And yeah. are those essential workers at that point? 
course they are. Teachers have always oh. been essential workers. No, I meant the janitorial staff. Well, and as have janitorial. I mean, janitorial people have been working with hazmat far longer than the anybody else has. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. No kidding. Right? Mm-hmm. So the school thing that I'm going to find is very fascinating. What about your oldest child? Uh, well, how's his schooling look then? Well, nothing's changed for him because he was already homeschooled. So he's just trucking along. He'll be finished. He's getting his assignments done early. And thankfully, he's not grade 12. He's grade 10. So he won't be uh, missing out on too much in terms of any kind of graduation ceremonies. Or But yeah, it's been no real change for him because of being homeschooled. Right, sorry, we don't call it homeschool. It's distance learning. I learned this the other day because <laughs> homeschooling is a term I, I got corrected by a, by a school board in Ontario when I was doing a webinar that it negates the work that the teachers do. And I absolutely agree. I never thought about it. I agree. I agree with that, yeah. that. With education, we're like, oh gosh, I never thought about that. But so I'm working hard at changing my language. It's distance learning because they still do all the lesson planning and the marking and everything. It's just from a distance, obviously. So Right. And homeschooling, it connotates that the parents are doing more than they actually are. Yes. And in the past, it was potentially, you know, before we had the ability. Yeah. And it's really changed a lot, of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. So now it's distance learning. I'm sure there's still a role for homeschooling because I'm sure a lot of people still are. I have friends who are are currently homeschooling. They don't use distance education at all. They're living up in the middle of a mountain and they're, you know, they're homeschooling. Okay. So your son, your oldest son is, has, is distance learning and has been for a long, long time. I know that, but how's he doing socially? Cause we know he oh, is well, of age for social. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting and I'm sure he appreciates slash doesn't appreciate having a counselor for a dad. But um, one of the videos I've shown, cause I do lots of workshops and webinars as well is two minutes and five second video of Chris Hadfield, who of course is an expert in self-isolation being an of course, yeah. And so one of his comments at the end of his little video is it's never been a better time if you have to self-isolate and so I think about that with my oldest son because he's got Instagram he's got Snapchat he's got all kinds of messaging he's got text phone like computer so he's fully linked up it's just virtual and he's kind of been he's been it's what our joke in our house is he's been training for this for two and a half years (laughs) because he's finishing his third year so when it happened he's like Oh, this is just the same as it's always been, except he stays at home now instead of going with us into town. And we go way less, of course, too. So he just is home a lot. And I think it's going to catch up soon once if, you know, depending on how things evolve and and the choices that we make as a family. But it's been totally fine for him because he's got all this technology at his fingertips and he's just tapped right into it. And being 16, of course, he's on top of it better than I could be. Yeah, for sure. Kyler, you're integrating yourself into a new family in, in your way. I don't know if you want to talk about how th- those kids are dealing because you guys are integrating, yes. but you are you have a family that you're integrating into yes. and that's got to be a challenge during COVID for sure. A way different look than what it looked like when you guys first started dating, I'm sure. I guess to some degree, one is distance learning and one, I believe, chose not to go to school, but did end up going back to school. It's very interesting to see how the kids were moderating themselves during the time, but it was pointed out to me and not by my significant other, but from another parent that perhaps the kids going back to school is also for the parent, you know, to get them out of Oh, I think a great deal of it is for the parents. Yes, very much so. And yes. You know, it's nice <laughs> I can speak for that. <laughs> I think it's the mental right? health of the parents I... that we're doing this for, and, and God bless you mm. all for doing it. You know, well, somebody's got to do it, thank God it ain't me. But I guess we, we were, we've been mindful of mapping social circles and making agreements ahead of time and then being in touch with each other if that was changed. And when I took the job to the seniors' home, I became even more mindful, of course, of what I did on my own spare time and who I was choosing to then 
do my social distance with and yes you know it, the greatest challenge has been shopping grocery shopping oh right? that is my greatest challenge oh i think i found a window at uh, sunday mornings because church takes the old people right out of it if i'm there at eight there's really no nobody of a certain age shopping at that time and then everybody else is hung over from the saturday so <laughs> i'm like I, th- I my window is sunday at eight friday, so, friday night at 8 a.m 8 p.m for me Friday night. That that works too, actually. You know, so our yeah. store here uh, closes at six. So if I'm going to go later, I have to go into Pentecost. Yeah, and I'd rather go first thing in the morning, get it out of the way. People have a tendency to be the the people that go first thing in the morning have a tendency to have already had the rules in place. They know it. They follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I find that all the shelves are restocked overnight. Yeah, yeah, overnight. So because they have to do that more overnight now. Mm-hmm. So when they get uh, the I deliveries mean, in the evening, yeah. Mm-hmm. But shopping. It, it drives me crazy. But I, too, am trying to figure out how to date during COVID. There was a, a man I've, I was dating before COVID. For years, we've been on again, off again, and mostly off. <laughs> uh, but we have decided that because of the way that our social circles have run, and he's completely self-isolated, and I am completely self-isolated, that we might be able to merge our household as, as a, uh, his household is just me, my household is just him coming into it, and that would be a way to we're, we're discussing it we haven't really come to any real conclusions yet i'd prefer him not to be in my house frankly and he would prefer it if i was out there anyways he has a nice little farm out in the middle of but be, but because of i also have additional factors within my house that i don't want exposed to additional people mm-hmm. so you know I ju- it's just my choice for dating is this is this is difficult i mean honestly maybe it's just not a viable option until we have a vaccine yeah i don't think i'm ever going to get laid again in my lifetime so <laughs> <laughs> you mean with somebody else in the room right yeah no yeah, yeah. Sex, with a, sex with someone else in the room probably not ever going to happen for me yeah well like uh, for me i'm getting enough sex it's just not with anybody else right Oh, yeah, for sure. There's been a run of batteries at Canadian Tire, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, those D batteries. D? That's what I was thinking, the Ds, yeah. (laughs) so funny. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, it's either that or hook it up to a Power tools charged up. (laughs) Oh, I used to, when I was doing stand-up, I did a whole thing on, you know, screw that Energizer bunny, I'm going with Epcor. Epcor was the power company, right? And we just plug it in. Full generator. That's right. You know. But as far as COVID and LGBTQ, are we seeing a bigger backlash with people? Are are we like how do we think that this is gonna gonna unfold in the coming months, weeks, years? Like however this is gonna look. I don't know, man. Anybody? It's I don't know, man. It's interesting because mainstream news doesn't report anything. Like I've heard, and I'm out at the lake with my family, kind of isolating. So. You know, I don't hear a lot. I can make some guesses, you know, and, and like you'd mentioned, I think at the beginning of the show today, Lee, that, you know, with pride being canceled, our ways of celebrating, we shouldn't be protesting, we can't be around other people or shouldn't be. Well, let's talk about of, how you know, pride is going to affect our community. Let's let's talk about that. Uh, pride is a big deal. Pride Month, it's June right now. Uh, many of us who work within our communities and, and do volunteer work, it's usually a very, very busy month for us. It's a time when we are actually able to feel free enough to enjoin the heteronormative community to understand our stories. And we're not getting that this year. We're not getting the ability to have all of these outlets for our our identities. So it's impacting my mental health. I mean, I don't know how it's impacting everybody else's, but I mean, I'm 
it's impacted all of the, the things that I work with in June. Mm-hmm. So not to mention, I had Jen Arden tickets. Yeah. Oh. And now she's had to cancel, you know. Well, it's been postponed, but we don't know for how long, you know. So, and that would have been great. Like, I mean, I had a whole June planned out. We had a whole awesome June Pride planned out. It was going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. And everything, gone, 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 gone. And my calendar was completely full for the entire year, and it is it is down to nothing. So I totally get it. But that financially impacts you. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. That's yeah, because because of your the way that you make a living yeah. is directly affected by COVID. Absolutely. But, you know, I think one of the things I want to kind of point out is there's this huge clearing and this huge gap of what we used to do. And when else has there been a chance to get the world to actually stop other than a, wor- a world war? So why can't we like allow ourselves to take the break, get the CERB benefit if you can? But, you know, like maybe look at the different ways things are people doing. They're doing different stuff for this. You know, Peg, there's people that want to see entertainment they don't want it on a screen like this like i have such a hard time watching a screen for a long period of time i want to see real life and there's other people they're they're having it's like the drive-in thing going on right now right yeah they're having uh, concerts that way too where people have to social distance or whatever you know but it's like everything limited to like at the drive-in is limited to 50 people 50 cars or whatever right but it's just and right well, and I've always said it's not about the actual drive-in because if people stayed in their cars, there would not be an issue. It's the fact that people want to get out and they have to pee or whatever, right? You know, so it's it's the concession that is the issue, not the fact that they're at a drive-in in a car, you know. And so that's the same with seeing a concert, you know. I saw a picture recently and it was a theater. What they'd done is they'd taken out there were two seats together and then there was like four seats gone and then two seats together and four seats gone and people were saying well that's not really viable unless they're going to raise the price of the, the theater tickets astronomically and and who's going to pay for that you just well exactly who's going to pay for it and the actors are already you know they don't get paid a lot doing theater Regular actors cannot make an actual living. That's like a number of industries. My husband works in marketing in the food industry, and restaurants aren't made to run at 50% capacity and be able to survive. Well, their margins are so, so short, too. Exactly, exactly. Well, and that's kind of what's happening with salons, too, is that it's it's half half capacity or 50% or whatever, right? Uh, Sorry, Ryan, say that again. I was just going to say, by the time you hire all the cooks and the servers and the hostess and, you you know, you spend all the extra money on masks and, you know, because there's extra costs, of course, as well to extra, you know, sanitizing and, and PPEs that, you know, it's just the prices are, the cost is going up. And the volume is at 50%. And then, you know, with other industries too, you're working just to pay your, your rent, you know, your yeah. overhead to pay your, and then there's no, there's no profit at the end of the day, if you're actually even making enough money to cover your cost. But restaurants do have a viable option that doesn't include their sit, sit in. Their takeout and delivery has gone through the roof. So they're able to offset some of their margins by their takeout, by their delivery they're they're changing their modeling they were they maybe sitting in isn't the way to make money anymore because they can actually do it a lot cheaper by takeout yeah as long as they're not using skip the dishes or DoorDash, those right. they actually take a huge cut that they actually aren't making money they use that to get but now if that's their only source of revenue again and that's so we've heard of 
again, in the industry with my husband, some people who, servers who are, are working, like some of the staff they're hiring to do delivery. Which yeah. is That's great. Their job. Instead of serving tables, they're, yeah. Exactly. They're delivering, which is great, and the restaurant gets to keep that, and the servers still get their tips. Well, and, and hopefully like the people exactly. are tipping them, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. skip the dishes. You're actually really encouraged to, or encouraged to tip. And the skip the dishes gets some of the weight, some of that tip, which I think is extortion. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not right. It's not right. I, I actually, we have used skip the dishes in the past, but now with the new way that skip the dishes is working, I don't think it's a viable option. Yeah. So, but it's the only thing we got here for delivery. So takeout might be like pickup might be the way to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, for restaurants, I don't think sitting in restaurants right now for myself is the way to go. Like sitting in. Yeah, well, that was the not. thing, uh, you know, whenever it was a couple Fridays ago that I went for this drive with this person. And one of the places we passed had an outdoor patio and every table was packed. And I was just thinking there's they're not distancing. None, nobody had a mask on. How can you drink when you got a mask on, you know, or eat, you know, so I was, I drove past there and I just thought people just are not, I don't know what it is, if they don't care or they don't believe it or they don't think it'll happen to them because there's a lot of that going on, right? Well, we flattened the curve really well here in BC. We've done a damn good job we did, of flattening yes. the curve. Even though and I think to our detriment, not distancing still, even when we were doing that. So no, that's true. But obviously we have because the proof is in the pudding. The obvious point of that is that our hospitals have not been overrun. We've been able to look after the people that have been in hospital. We've done an effective job of looking after the people that we could. And we've unfortunately had some deaths, but not in the percentage that they were originally projecting for our province and for the other provinces. Uh, so we've done it. I, I believe that we have, with, with the evidence, the empirical evidence that we're seeing, I believe that we've done a, a great job of flattening the curve. Mm-hmm. I also believe we've done too good of a job flattening the curve. Well, because people won't believe. And, and I know that sounds harsh, but people aren't taking it seriously. They're not. All. Exactly, yeah. Or there's that danger. I, I'm really grateful that they closed the borders to the province oh, and the country. The states, yeah. I hope they keep that American border closed for now. For now. Me too. Me too. It should be semi-permanent. They've passed the 110,000 deaths there just like yes, they have, or yeah. yesterday or whatever. So. Yesterday, yeah. They are still rampant in their, you know, projections and their uh, their numbers rising. What I would like to know is that, you know, now New Zealand has completely eradicated the COVID. Right. And they are... Well, uh, they don't know if they've eradicated it, but they have had no serological cases, new cases in three weeks. Yes. And they're saying, I'm just saying, they're saying, they're yeah, saying yeah. they've eradicated it and that they're going to open their country up to you know people can do whatever they want now they did they did that they have done that yes so within the new zealand borders they've opened everything up no they're not so there's they still have their borders closed their borders are closed their internal borders are open Open. and and they're they're back to normal they're back to life they're back to mixing everything's back to normal for them yeah and they have kept their their borders closed but they're a relatively small island for sure. Uh, they can do that because it's harder to get to them for the rest of the world to get to them. Uh, they're a little bit isolated as it is. Yeah. I think if Canada would have closed the borders more stringently and we Quick. isolated more more effectively, especially in Quebec and Ontario, we'd be in a much different situation today than we are. Well, and so we've closed our borders in BC because 
I still hear people coming from Alberta, and of course the pickers are coming from Ontario and Quebec. But you know, the the majority of our cases that we've had here are on the coast, and mm-hmm. we still are allowing people to drive from the coast to here mm-hmm. because it's holiday season. So. Well, yeah, of course. We're not, we're not closing. We're not in uh, area bubbles. No. Like, we're not in a lockdown. No. They've, they've released a lot of our restrictions already. Like, yeah. I mean, people are allowed to go to the beach. They're opening up campgrounds. They're, they're actually encouraging people to go to wineries and to drink wine on the beach. And they're opening things up. Yeah. And that, it remains to be seen how that works out for us. Yes. Well, we're supposed to have 30 new cases just recently. And what people aren't thinking, considering is that, you know, we had the May long weekend. Yeah couple weeks ago mm, right. so yeah. i know that in florida they've had this exponential growth and same thing they had their memorial day weekend you know and all of these people on the beaches and that kind of thing and they're all saying because of the protests that's why the numbers are going up and it's just like no they'll go up in two weeks <laughs> yeah because they are going to go up oh well, yeah i mean from that. i'm totally on board with the protests and i wish i was brave enough to go out there but i'm not i'm not brave enough to go out i'm i don't want to catch covid i agree with that but protests themselves are actually inherently dangerous even without covid protests they they are inherently dangerous like protests are the reason you're protesting is because you're you're putting yourself in a position where you can be hurt, potentially killed for a cause. Yes. Like that's what protests are. So people who go to protests during COVID, it's just one more level of yes. danger for protests. Breaking quarantine for protests. Yes, the protest itself is immediate. The COVID is a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. But breaking, choosing to break, in, in my opinion, just my opinion, breaking COVID isolation for a protest is not only a choice, it's a valid choice, and it's part of protesting. Mm-hmm. It's part of being part of the protest. It's saying, look, I'm willing to put my life on the line for you, you know? Exactly. Going to dinner is not a protest. Yes. Right. Saying I can't get my hair cut is not a fucking protest. Don't it's get me started whiny privilege. Yes. Well, it's funny because Trudeau went and he marched the other day. Yeah, he did. And he knelt and he got flack. He's getting flack from Shearer all over the place. Well, he has nothing to talk about that guy. Like, that guy shouldn't even be official opposition. Isn't he under investigation for fraud? Like, probably. I know. Why is he even talking? Like, why is he even talking? (laughs) Other aspects of LGBTQ2S community dealing with COVID is I can't speak to Indigenous communities. Unfortunately, we don't have a panelist that can speak to Indigenous, but I believe that they're probably the most vulnerable. Does anybody have any opinion about that or how? They just had a big protest the other day. The Indigenous uh, did a huge one at the park. Was it yesterday? I don't know what day it is anymore. Sorry. What day is it? Monday today. Yes. And so everybody was so impressed on how they how they ran it and everything. And But Indigenous communities who can't get water, who don't have access to, to appropriate health care. These are concerns I have. And then you stack the fact that LGBTQ Aboriginals have a much harder time getting the resources that we have. Well, you know, I'm kind of thinking about what are people doing to make some healthy norms, some new healthy activities? Instead of complaining, look at all the fear around there. What are we doing for our own selves to get a, a type of self-balancing going on? Maybe not into the the mass but yeah like what are what are we all doing separately individually for a healthier life well i tell you i have never spent so much time in tamriel in my life 
in Elder Scrolls Online. <laughs> like, I'm playing video games with people from Russia. I'm playing with people from Britain, uh, mostly Australia, because the time I play, it's it's usually their time to play. And I socialize a hell of a lot with people from all over the world in a, in a virtual world. So, you know, it's not doing my fat ass any good, but it is helping socially. Yeah, that's important. What, what other good things are there? From this. Well, it's interesting because when we look at mental health, a, a big part of how we get through things is our perspective, how we integrate it, as I like to say, into the psyche, into our psyche. How does it become a part of the narrative of our story? And so I find that our past life history and experiences can be helpful or not helpful. But a lot of people, you know, just practically are looking at, well, what did I used to do? You know, movie theaters are closed. They go. To, I mean, we talked about theater earlier in many different forms, you know. And so a lot of self-care, as we call it in my field, uh, ways that people would take care of themselves would hope, um, would find ways of escaping, avoiding, you know, even temporarily from the challenges the change, the struggle aren't there. And so they're finding new ways, family dinners, playing with their kids at home, more family time. They're working from home. So they're finding they have more time with not commuting. And so they're planting gardens and you see little projects and getting really creative. For people who don't have those resources, then, you know, there's the external and the internal. And so when we look at the external, we need things outside of ourselves to help us be okay. When we look at internal, that's things like breathing exercises, grounding, mindfulness, meditation. There's so many things that we can learn in terms of coping strategies that really enhance our resiliency. And that's what often we look at. At home exercises, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And resiliency, resiliency is our ability to bounce back is the really simple definition. And so what helps us bounce back? Attitude uh, of gratitude is one of my cheesy sayings I use a lot with people. But what things are we grateful for? But we have to be ready for that. We need to, again, another cheesy saying alert I use, you got to feel it to heal it. You got to feel you got to be OK with not being OK. It's hard. You know, life is difficult sometimes. And this is hard. It is hard. And you know what? You got to feel it to deal with it. Like, I mean, it's another thing that we have to learn is that, yeah, it's OK for us not to be at work. It's OK for us to feel a little scared. It's OK for us to miss hugs. It's OK for us to be. But we have to be OK with being OK with it. And, and we're social creatures by nature. So, of yes. course, that's going to be a big part of what we're missing. Whether we like to admit it or not. Yeah, speak for yourself. For some people, but <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, but I mean, like your oldest son, he's using the technology to do that, right? So there are ways, yeah. even if we're not going to have a hug, we can we can still communicate and see everybody and, you know, talk. Like, this is great. I've done a few FaceTimes with some people and it's, it's good. I'm fortunate in that I've been writing this novel and I'm in that world 90% of the time. If I'm not sleeping, I'm working on the book or I'm hiking and so isolation hasn't really changed my life a lot. Right. <laughs> but you're also in that world of the book, though. So no, that's my point. This yeah. COVID has here. actually given you an opportunity to to actually develop that yes. story. Oh, I'm, no. I'm so grateful for the CERB because, you know, it's paying my bills and I'm able to write. And I know that I never would have had that. For the first time really in your life, right? Absolutely. For the first time really in your life, you're because it's taking away those other external pressures and you can actually focus on creativity and, and actually bringing something towards society in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. I personally think that CERB is a, a mandatory minimum wage for yes. all Canadians is an, an interesting idea because well, people then, but then, then people aren't worried about their health care. They're not worried about their rent. They're not worried about if they're going to have a meal today or tomorrow. Yeah, it would boost the economy so much because people would have the cash to be able to buy stuff. But the industries say, oh, we'll, we'll have nobody that'll want to work. 
Well, that's not true. People want to work. That's not true at all. Well, look people at all of the people work. who are, you know, retired, who go back to work because they're bored out of their trees, you know? But people want to work at what they want to work at. That's People want to work how they want to work. They don't and want to so do if, a shit job where they're going to get crap from people every day. That's Nobody wants that job. If industry could take what happen, is happening with COVID and turn it into something where they could develop models that would make people want to work. That would, that would enhance their business, that would give them the opportunity to work in appropriate ways. If people people didn't have to schleb out at a restaurant or schleb out somewhere else, those industries would have to encourage those workers to come work for them. So then that would... What a, yeah. Well, A, they'd have to pay them more. You know. Well, they would maybe, maybe not, but they because if everybody has a standard well, wage, okay, living, yes, if everybody had a, a basic those industries wage, yeah. would be able to say, okay, well, yeah, but you know what? Here you get free food and you get to socialize with people and you get to wear whatever you want. And like mm. industries could change in a way that would benefit humanity and not the one percent exactly of yeah, people, not just the you know, moving away from automation and people doing automated jobs to ones where we get to just serve each other, where there's yes. no money in serving each other, but there is, there's so much gratification. There is, right? And it's not all about the paycheck, then it's about doing something you enjoy doing, it's about the interaction. That's right, and that the, that's the real problem with the serve. The real problem with the CERB is that industries find it very threatening. Yay! And the 1% find it very, very threatening. Done with it. Because people are learning that, oh, wait a minute. Instead of all these big businesses and banks getting these, these cuts, we're finally getting a little something. And we're seeing, oh, wait, I can write a book. Or I can, I can do this. Or I can do that. Or I can, I can learn how to play the piano. Or I could work part-time instead of having to work every okay. day. Because yeah. there's a lot of people like that. If yeah. you had a universal basic income, then yeah. it's for a reason it's called a universal basic income because it would be taking care of all of the bills that would make you work every day just to pay them. So right. you could work three days a week or four days a week. But you could spend time with your kids and keep them out of, out of trouble. You could spend a lot more time raising your kids, mm -hmm. making more productive Canadians. Yes. Yeah. I was looking for an opportunity to jump in. Just jump in. <laughs> One of the things I think of sometimes is is imagine a world where more people could move away from surviving and, and be thrive. Absolutely. Thriving. Yeah. Another another cheesy saying kind of thing. But but really it's I know true, people though. who they they work to survive. They don't love what they do. Yeah. It's you know, but when you do what you love, imagine, you know, that when you're thriving and you're instead of changing and growing because you're desperate because you have to, it's because you're inspired. You want to do better, be better. And you're tapping into, you know, like you, Peg, the, the creative juices and you're passion, impassioned by what you're doing. Don't talk about Peg's juices. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Only the creative ones. That's all I reference. Oh, they're all creative, babe. <laughs> But talking, talking along those lines of creativity, that's the great thing of having not so many stores to go shop and get your, your fix and deal with life. Go get your yes. creativity. Don't go spend the money. Go shopping and shopping to get your therapy. Go get therapy out of nature, out of creativity, out of singing, out of, you know, like there's so much more to do. Or actually get therapy. Or get therapy. Talk <laughs> yeah. to Brian. He's available. Like, right? actually get therapy. So many people are stuck in their these jobs that aren't paying them what they, they need to live, and they don't have the time, energy, or inclination to actually get therapy. What the fuck? What if they actually got paid and could get therapy? 
oh, wait a minute, there's a productive human. Well, and not just therapy, but physical therapy, massage and chiropractic and dental and all of those things. Because let me tell you, I've worked in a couple different industries just even since I moved here. People are on some form of painkiller to get through their day. Opioid and like well, that. not even That's an opioid, uh, just even just Tylenol. All kinds. You know, like yeah. they're not, everybody's yep. in pain and they, they, ha they can't take the time to s not go to work. They can't, they don't, a lot of times can't afford to go get healed however they need to be healed, whether it's physiotherapy or massage or what, you know, they can't afford it. So they're not going and they're working every day, like you said, Ryan, just to survive. So, yeah, it's... And I think that that is a real impact on our own community, on the LGBTQ community, Absolutely. because we have been so forced into these jobs for the most part, because a lot of us do sit on the lower demographic for uh, wage, that now we see that maybe there might be alternatives. Like with the CERB, it's given us, it's only been around for three months, mm -hmm. but it has given people the time to rest. People are finding that they have more opportunity yes yeah but i don't know i we haven't been able to get in touch with the community we've been so isolated well exactly how do we know how do we know who's in trouble that's another thing that we have a problem with because we don't get to see these people at the socials we don't get to talk to them like we normally do when you talk on a mixed call like this it's usually i'm fine you know things are okay whatever yeah, nobody ever wants to get into it yeah for sure right and i have definitely had some weeks where it's a little touch and go there Oh, well, so, that's why I said what I said at the beginning, you know. Yeah, for sure, I mean, yeah. As a rule, I've been fine, but I've had a couple days, like you just said, that are, it's like, why am I even bothering, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but for the most part, you know. And because my okay. self-esteem is so wrapped up in my weight and I'm ballooning mm. and I haven't been doing my yoga practice as much as I should have been doing and I, I'm back on the mountain and I gained all the weight that I lost back, now that's starting to throw me back into a place where I don't even want people to see me, Yeah. let alone, let alone stop isolating. Right. My shaved head is causing me all kinds of consternation because my hair's not growing back. You look great. Bizarre. What are you talking about? <laughs> I look like Uncle Fester. Come on. Oh, honey. You look great. <laughs> no. Dr. Evil. Well, and you know what's interesting is I mentioned self-care earlier. And one of the things that, that often happens is people throw out exercise, you know, yet you're exhausted mentally, right? Our minds and bodies are connected, interestingly, mm -hmm. enough, interestingly enough. And and I like what you were saying earlier, um, Peg, about, you know, the physical. If you're in chronic pain and you're not sleeping, psychologically, you're irrational, you're emotional, you're not coping well, you're not able to implement the great skills you may have. And then, you know, when we do get stressed and overwhelmed, we fall back into that habit energy of buying the chips, comfort eating, emotionally eating, um, we just want to curl up on the couch and watch TV because we have no no energy because we're anxious. We're kind of feeling down. We're, you know, all the change and it's confusing and we're worried about our family. And it becomes this vicious cycle. And that's where we have to kind of try and pull ourselves out of it by experiencing something positive. And it's so interesting. One of the sayings I've been using lately is instead of being stuck at home, I'm safe at home. And just saying that and, and choice. It is. That is a choice. Yeah. Reminding ourselves we have choice. Verbiage changes a lot of things. Yes. Verbiage. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of being a victim of COVID, being a victim of whatever, which is a fact of life at times. But what do I have control over? What can I take responsibility for? And what choice do I have? My attitude. You know, we always have a choice over our attitude, whether we're reacting all over life or we're working on responding by taking a step back 
taking some deep breaths and thinking about what do I hope to achieve? What do I need to do here? What's going on? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Why am I eating a whole bag of chips right now? <laughs> well, and that's why I'll say to myself, okay, you need to go for a walk now. You just need to go for a walk. I have to do where that you're going. more. I have to get out of the house more. I have to actually isolate myself, but get out of the house more. How are you and Damien doing physically? Are you guys maintaining your, like your relationship? Not just, I'm not just talking physically, but your relationship in total, you guys are stuck together. Like I would seriously, I don't, I'm lucky I can go to my own house. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually been doing surprise. Well, not surprisingly. We have a good relationship. Thankfully, I want to knock on wood or something, but no, we work really hard at it. You guys do. We've been doing walks. We're on, we're kind of like, I guess it'd be similar maybe to Naramata. We're on the far side of like, you have to take a ferry to get over where we live. And so there's very little traffic. We can go for long walks and we don't run into maybe one person and they're on the other side of the road. And we've actually been here the whole time, but we actually haven't went anywhere at all except to get groceries as needed. You know, we've had some great talk. We've had frustrating moments, but we, we sit down, we, we, come together we talk about it we've had nights where we've eaten the bag of chips and then the next day we're like oh my god we got to turn this around it's we've kind of been through it all but at the end of the day communication is is so key and i mean it sounds hokey coming from a therapist obviously but really it's no but it's true i think so true you know if you can talk it out like you're gonna fight a bit you're gonna get frustrated with each other when we leave our spouses or in any relationship you know we get a break we get to talk to other people we get to vent we get to be a part of the world and our community and then we get to come back more refreshed Whereas when you're at home, you're working from home, children are walking in. I can't even tell you how many times the dogs are barking because we have two Yorkies. We've got the kids are, you know, they slam a door. They're at their, it's just, and then you're, you're, you're trying to set all these guidelines and all these expectations and then you're managing it and then you have tech issues. And then there's all these terms like Zoom fatigue, which I've been experiencing a little bit in tech fatigue when I'm learning Microsoft Teams for the first time and then I can't log in and my computer crashes and I'm running to upstairs to my husband's to try and get on this webinar and they're waiting for me. It's 15 minutes in and there's 200 people logged in. And I'm like, oh, you know, and so he's like, just calm down. I'm like, wait a minute, that's my job. I'm usually telling you to calm down. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, thanks, honey. He's like, just breathe. Lee did that to me today, too, because, yeah, it's so funny. It's challenging, though. I mean, it's a challenging thing. I mean, this is we're all trying to navigate these new feelings and these new expectations that we have on ourselves. And so, I mean, that's why I was asking the husband question, because... I think you're fortunate that you're a counselor because you can bring the logic into it and you can de-escalate. De anything you know whereas some people they don't have those coping mechanisms and they're going to fight and they they're yeah. talking about there's going to be a lineup for the divorce court when this is all done or maybe we can look yeah. at it in the positive ways that maybe people will learn how because they have to learn how to get along maybe they'll learn to communicate a little bit better well, maybe be we nice. all have to I learn so. to communicate together I, that's my hope oh maybe we're learning how to communicate a little bit better so i have better hopes whether it ends up being a friendship or whether it ends up being a relationship or whatever it ends up being we're still going to end up communicating better we're, we're doing better for each other i think so maybe it's an opportunity maybe that is another of the silver linings well the physical distancing for sure it's getting people to actually talk opposed to you know or message or whatever you know so they are communicating opposed to just being together and maybe just taking advantage of that you know and instead of just sitting in separate rocker chairs and not talking <laughs> anyways thank you all very much for joining us on this episode of under the pink triangle it's been interesting conversation i think we've covered a lot of the topics it's an, an hour show so that's good 
and we're going to keep that, you know, a little bit shorter, which is, you know, a challenge for us. Peg, Ryan, Kyler, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Under the Pink Triangle. Thanks for having me. Thank you both for everybody for joining us. Take care. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Under the Pink Triangle. We reside in the beautiful Okanagan Valley and are privileged to support LGBTQ2S plus programs and events in this area. Thank you.